And let's just bring a whole heap of honor and an applause for the man of the word today, John Narayan. Good morning, church. I'm blessed to be able to share the word today. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Joel Narayan, um, and I get the privilege of sharing with you today. Um, I'm excited for what God's going to do in this place. Uh, just for a bit of, just for your comfort and for your knowledge, um, that New South Wales Health has actually updated the guidelines to be a bit more specific for churches, which is awesome. So that's why we had the privilege this morning of having the singers without masks. How good was that? It was really good. Hey, um, in the same way, um, the MC or the preacher can speak without a mask, but it's still mandatory for the audience to wear one. So. But we're blessed. We're adjusting. We're moving. The church is still growing and energized and excited and blessed. So um, I'm so excited for that. Um, today, um, we're gonna, I'm going to speak to you about something very, very close um, to your heart, potentially. Um, this, this morning is going to be a very big morning for some people, potentially. And maybe it'll be a challenge. Maybe it'll be an encouragement. Uh, but this morning is going to be very, very interesting uh, the title of my sermon today is Financial Freedom. Ooh. And we're coming straight for the jugular. We're going to, um, before the walls go up, we just have to know that, you know what, I, I sort of asked this question myself when I was preparing it is, why do people, why do Christians uh, all of a sudden go on defensive when we start speaking about money? Uh, very interested, it just interests me. I've been there before, but it just interests me that this happens. Um, but God has to have a say in how we use our finances. It's interesting to know, um, and I haven't gone there and literally counted it myself, but when I was researching that some people say that the Bible, in the Bible there is more verses about money than there is about faith and prayer. That almost one third or a bit more of Jesus' parables involve some sort of money. Isn't that interesting? That God has something to say about money? Far out. <laughs> so today we're going to speak about money and, and we're so blessed to be in City Church here because we're, we're a generous bunch of people, which is really cool. And um, we've seen incredible things happen, not only in this building, but across the community and people's lives. Um, and we're so um, blessed that we can partner together to see God's kingdom come. So why don't we pray to start? God, I thank you today. Lord God, that you are a God of provision you're a God who heals. You're a God who frees. And Lord God, we pray today, Lord Father, that you would remind us who we are, and that is to be sons and daughters of the Most High and also stewards, Lord God. Uh, so I, God, I pray for any the spirit of mammon and the spirit of this world, Lord Father, to, to be removed, Lord God, from our hearts. Lord Father, that we would, we would see the world as Jesus sees it. We would, we would adopt the heart of God once again and be renewed every morning, um, of his mercies, and, and, and we, would, we would restore, Lord Father, our hearts to what God calls us to be. And God, I just pray that the word that he's spoken today is not my opinion, uh, Lord God, that it is not my words, but it is inspired and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and not of eloquence, but of the, of the power of, of the Holy Spirit. And Lord God, I just pray that people would walk out thinking, believing, transformed differently to what they come in, to what they go out. And God, I thank you today uh, that your word, Lord Father, would be reaching fertile soil. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Everybody say, ouch. Money hurt, eh? <laughs> um, today, the gist of my sermon is essentially, how do we get from being slaves to stewards? 
How do we get from being slaves to stewards? I know uh, Kalina and I were blessed on uh, Wednesday to celebrate our third wedding anniversary, which is pretty cool, which is pretty exciting, um, which has gone pretty quickly. Um, and over that time, I can attest, I can testify that there has been, there's been hard times and good times as you go through in marriage, as, as everyone who is married knows, right? There's hard times, good times, whether that be relationship-wise, whether that be um, family-wise, whether that be financially. And, and I can attest that Colleen and I have gone through seasons uh, where it seems like there's lack, but I can tell you, being obedient to God, there's, there's never a true lack. God provides everything you need. And, and what I know from that is I, we stood on the promise that, God, if you've done it before, you can do it again. And each time that something needed to happen, God always made a way, every single time. Maybe not in our timing every time, but God always made a way. Listen to this Martin Luther, a pretty intelligent guy. He said, there are three conversions necessary for a Christian. The conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of the purse. <laughs> Obviously, tongue-in-cheek. But there's an importance with finance in our lives. Everything we do, and sometimes we can have this false sense, there's, there's this dichotomy or this divide between what is in the physical realm and the spiritual realm. But as Christians, we know that those things are intertwined, they're together. And we can pray for people in, 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 the, in, in the spirit and they get healed in the physical. And it's just the same with the way we treat our money. There's spiritual repercussions and there's spiritual consequences, there's spiritual blessings that come from the way we deal with our money. First of all, we know that we must honor God with our money. We must serve God with our money. We must trust God, most importantly, with our money. And, and forget the word finance or money for a wealth for a second. Uh, there's so many scriptures to say in the Bible that we're to live holy for God. That we're to live as living sacrifices that he who finds his life in this world shall lose it, but those who find their life in Christ shall find it. If we try to find things in this world to give us purpose, whether it be money, relation, whatever it may be, these things will help you lose your life. But life can only be found in Christ. Do we deny ourselves and take up our cross? Do we die to self and live for Christ? Has our old fleshly desires gone? Are we living in our new self, our new life, our new creation? And I truly believe that we are, you know, we're inheritors, we're heirs of the promise of Abraham. Obviously, Jesus came as the seed, right, um, of Abraham, where he was the fulfillment of the promise of Abraham to be a blessing to all nations. But by extension, the church is also meant to be a blessing to all nations too. That means through our time, our gifts, but also through our, our finances. We are, we are called to be free in the kingdom of God. God has called us to be free from our finances, financial freedom. We're going to go to the, the book of Luke, Luke chapter 12. So if you have your physical Bible or your, or your, or your phone Bible, uh, we're going to turn there to the book of Luke chapter 12. We're going to start from 13. Uh, I'm going to reference a few verses throughout this chapter, throughout the sermon, and then go to a few different places. Um, but I'm going to start with the parable of the rich fool. So we're going to go from chapter 12, verse 13. I'll have it up on the screen as well. Listen to this. Interesting what Jesus says here. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. What I find this interesting is last time I preached on something similar, we had the story of the young rich ruler. 
who Jesus was challenging, saying, you know, uh, you, you must give all you have to the poor and then follow me. Jesus was challenging him to say, with, if you want to do this life, you, it's imp-, and he, he quotes this, he says, it is impossible without God, but with, poss- with God, all things are possible. So with God and entrusting God with what we have, it is possible to have uh, a relationship with God and have finances. But here Jesus is approaching someone else. Here Jesus, a man approaches Jesus saying, Jesus, I, my brother's not giving me my inheritance, something he probably deserved. It's something he was entitled to. But then Jesus gives out this stark warning, be watchful all types of greed. This shows that greed isn't just something for the rich, although it does affect them. Greed is something that can happen in me. It can happen in the poor. It can happen in you. And he told them this parable. The grounds of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. So this man just had an influx of, of, of finance. He had a big harvest. Obviously, in these times, a lot of their wealth was caught up in agricultural things like livestock and crop and land. And he, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Verse 18. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. It's very important to note that this guy had more than he needed. It's very important to know that this guy had a barn, which was meant to fill the capacity for what he needed. And then he, he, he's going out to build another barn because he just wants to have comfort, take life, eat, drink, and be merry and trust in his own merits. It says, but God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. And that last part's interesting. Whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Our society, um, an individualistic society, materialistic society is very um, self-focused, right? Self-sufficiency. It's just Western culture. We're very blessed to be in Australia. We're very blessed to have what we have. If you compare the poorest of Australia, it's more like, most likely to be the more wealthy than the majority of people. I, I looked up the statistic and it's so true. Um, but greed is a sin that can affect everyone. Covetousness, envy. Uh, greed idolizes money and prevents our reliance on God. It's against God's nature because God is self-giving. God gave His Son. God gives you life. To, to, to be self-sufficient, to be selfish is against God's nature. That's why it's so dangerous to store things up for ourselves but not be rich towards, towards God. There's different types of greed that we see. In this one, you can see there's, there's a couple of, within the parable and within the context of uh, the young man that asked the question, there was a couple of types of greed that we sort of face here. First one being hoarding. And, and this is something you might have experienced. I don't know. I'm not here to condemn anyone that stocked up on toilet paper or anything in 2020. Uh, I'm not here to do that. I'll leave that between you and the Holy Spirit, you know. <laughs> Those coal aisles were empty and... Uh, um, but what happens when we hoard beyond what we need? We store up treasures and our heart and our spirit be- be- comes between, it, be- it comes between us and God. We start to trust in the wealth as a security around us and it blinds us from what God has for us. And it's so easily, it so easily becomes our master. 
It's just like emotion. You know, they say emotions are a great servant, but a terrible master. It's the same with finance. There's, a, there's another type of greed, overspending. Ouch. It's a lack of forward thinking, self-focus, lack of wisdom. L- listen to this. The, the way we use our money is a great way to have a spiritual health check. If you were to look at your, your bank statement, and, and I sometimes do this as well. If you look at your bank statement and you were to see what you're spending money on, it says a lot about your goals, your priorities, convictions, relationships, the way you use your time. We live in a, a buy now, pay later society. After pay stock prices through the roof, only $130 or something. That's crazy. We delay we, we, our, our lust for things and our need for things that we don't necessarily need sometimes draws us out to overspend. And, and it's scary because when we put in our, ourselves in those positions that we are indebted to other people, it really limits our freedom with God. And I'm not saying all debt is unhealthy, but the Bible does say in Proverbs 22, 7, it says, the borrower is servant to the lender. And I, I, I personally, myself, work in finance, right? So I see this every day, right? I see, I, I organize things for pay, finance for people. Um, but it's very, it's very important as Christians that we don't limit our freedom and we don't become slave to the things of this world. It's very important that we're living within our means because God wants us to be great stewards of what we have. Not something I have in the notes, but something I thought about this morning. I believe, and, and I, I, tr- I, I believe, and this this could, this could happen. If, if there were some people here maybe, or some people you know potentially, if we're not making it personal, if you were to just cut up your credit card, there might be a spiritual release. Like, uh, like not everyone, it's useful for some people, but to cut up credit cards might be a spiritual release for people because there's a temptation there that sometimes we go beyond our means. Another scary thing, and this is something that I have to battle with on a daily basis at work, is comparison. That's a greed that can enter in our life. In a world of social media, we see people have nice cars, nice houses, um, no, like new, new things, new clothes, new shoes, um, that travel holiday. Like, you know, it's just, just you see those things on social media, you see the influences. You, you, you can instantly sometimes compare yourself to where those people are at. And, and God wants his people to live in a sense of contentment because discontentment leads to envy and jealousy having what other people want. And this is a challenge for me, newly married, working in, in a financial services, one income, living in a one-bedroom apartment, yet I'm dealing with people that have millions of dollars. It's easy to get bitter. Oh, they're rich, they're, you know, they're not going to heaven. <laughs> Wouldn't that be easy to say? <laughs> how greedy are they? How terrible are rich people? Isn't that easy? Jesus says, Jesus says, watch out for all types of greed. What I'm saying, church, is that we're going to be guard our hearts. Guard your heart. Because it's so easy to spit out other things, but then not look at ourselves and say, God, how am I stewarding what you've given to me? We've got to, we, it's not wrong to store up things for yourselves, but it is wrong to not be rich towards God. Because we are so spiritually enslaved to finances, it just makes us self-focused and selfish. And the Bible says in Matthew 6, 24, many of you may know the verse, no one can serve two masters. This is Jesus. 
Either you will hate the one or love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I, I truly believe for this church, I believe for the, the body of Christ, that we really need to get rid of this, this worldly mindset around money. We need to think about money God's way. Because the last thing we need is more marriage breakdowns because of money. That's the last thing we need. Family breakups, inheritance fights, church splits, friendship losses, working so hard every day, every night, overworking just to provide for your kids and then your kids grow up and, and all the, the relationship's not there. All for, the, all for money and security. It's too much offense. That's the last thing. We don't need bankruptcy. We can't spiritually or emotionally undermine others because of the blessing on their life. Forced home sales, all in the name of money because we've mishandled God's word and God's blessing for us. The scariest thing about money, right? And, and, and because money is a tool, people can use it in all different ways. But the scary thing about money is that it becomes a distraction for king, uh, from ourselves, from the kingdom. It prevents believers from filling our kingdom purposes because we're so stuck on what's in front of us in our money. Because it occupies our thoughts, our lives, our minds. And we need a church that is financially free. That is free from the slavery of money. That's what I believe. And, 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 and I'm, I'm sure the first thing when I said financial freedom, I'm like, oh, I hope he's not prosperity gospel. <laughs> what do you... And prosperity gospel is something else. That's saying, you know, give and, and proclaim that you're going to have lots of money and God will just bless you unbelievably and you're going to have a private jet. And that's not what we're talking about. We're thinking about, about using money and thinking about God, money God's way. God is on a mission to save humanity. And he has entrusted his church, his people, to be vessels and to be conduits of the power of the Holy Spirit, to see people delivered, to get families delivered, to see people come out of debt, to see people come out of sickness. And it's so important that if the church can get money right, that we would not be distracted from those things. And that's why Jesus says to his disciples in Luke 12, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, or whatever you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. And he even rebukes them to say, this is what pagans, this is what unbelievers think about. They think about where they're going to get their food and money from. They think about these things. God promises us everything he needs. He says, seek the kingdom of God first and all these things will be added unto you. He says this because he knows his kingdom and his, when his church is unified and powerful and free from the slavery and bondage of this world, that they can do incredible things for the kingdom of God. That when we, when we stop being distracted by temporary things, we realize the eternal purpose God has called us for. Financial freedom. Wow. I'm going to switch it up a bit. We're going to go to Luke chapter 8, um, just in the first five verses, if you want to switch there. Luke chapter 8. This is a very interesting passage of text that a lot of people skip over, and I've, I've been prone to do that before. And, and it's not a very overtly um, financial text, but we'll, we'll read it together. It says, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another. He was just ministering as he did with his disciples, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. It says, The twelve were with him, and also some women, everyone say women, who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, who may, many of you may have heard, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women... We're helping to support them out of their own means. 
I find this a powerful text of scripture because people wonder where's, where, where's women's place in ministry. And I've done like essays on this. And it's very interesting to note that there were a bunch, uh, there were a group of women who were funding the ministry of Jesus and the disciples. Isn't that powerful? Like, I'm not saying that was the primary thing, but they were definitely involved, as Scripture says. And what I find interesting here, and we know from Lydia and other church leaders in the book of Acts, that some of these people were business women as well, very blessed figures. But what's interesting to know is that these people were people, these women were people Jesus, that these women Jesus met on, on the way on his ministry. So what that means is these women were part of the crowds or they were attracted to Jesus because of what he was doing. And Mary Magdalene, I don't know if you guys, anyone watched The Chosen, the TV series, The Chosen? A great, great um, TV show, great series. I recommend it. It's free online. Um, and they depict Mary Magdalene as this lady, as the scriptures say, as someone who was demon possessed. And you can imagine if you have seven demons within you, it's pretty, pretty hard going, right? Like it's not a very comfortable life, you can imagine. Um, to be tormented by seven demons. And, and, and this film uh, uh, depicts it, and it would be an awful way to live, to have manifestations. And, and the other women were healed of diseases. And, you know, just from the woman of the issue of blood, I don't know if she was one of these women, but to have blood, uh, issue of blood for 12 years, that's a, that's a hard deal. And to be sick. And, and, and what these women realized is when Jesus came and healed them and set them free from their oppression, they were then inspired to be free with God with what they had. And if that's not a principle for Christianity, I don't know what is. That we're inspired, we have been freed by Christ, we have been taken away from our old life, and now we live in freedom in Jesus, that we can say it's not out of obligation, it's not because someone has told me to, but because out of the generosity and the compelling of my heart, I want to give to God's ministry. I want to see God's kingdom come here on earth. I want to bless either ministry or people because God has changed my life. God has freed me from the oppression of this world and now I'm going to give freely into his kingdom. I found that powerful. I found that so, so good. We should be stirred to give out of faithfulness to Jesus, a gratitude that he has set us free and given us a life of abundance. God wants to move us from slaves to stewards. So how do we recognize ourselves as stewards? How do we get from this mindset of being occupied by our wealth to stewards of God? Firstly, we realize that God owns everything. The scriptures say God owns everything in this earth. Everything. He's entrusted you with resources, finances, family. God owns everything. Everyone say God owns everything. It's a hard one to debate, right? It's God's. Um, so when we realize that we've been entrusted with something, we realize we are stewards, not owners. That you'd be like, Joel, but I worked 40 hours this week. Like I, I earned this. God gave you the job. God gave you the income source. God put you in that position. God got you through that interview. God empowered you to work. Everything is God's. We're just stewarded with it. And we're called to be wise stewards. And and. And I think many people, I don't know about you, but have maybe thought, 2021, what does my, my financial situation look like? And, and I don't know what proportion or it doesn't have to, or what you've thought about giving into God's kingdom. But we must realize that it's not just about financial goals. And, and hear me about this. I think financial goals are important and we should sprint towards those and achieve our goals. But I think uh, when it comes to goal setting, and you see it in, in, in people that uh, lose weight or in diets, and I've tried to do it before, you go 100 days eating no chocolate, but then two weeks after that, you've met that goal, you're back to eating chocolate. Isn't that interesting how things work when you have goals? 
Um, but I truly believe for us to be people of God, to have mindset of Jesus when it comes to finance, we have to be body stewards and not just think of finances as this extra thing that we do, but it's who we are. We're, stewards is who we are. We are sons of daughters of the Most High and we are stewards. So what does that mean? That doesn't mean I'm going to find opportunities just to be generous or I'm going to give this much money this week or this much money on Imagine Day. It's actually to say, you know what? I am a generous person. Everything that I have is, is God's. I live my life out of an abundance of what God has given me. I am a blessed person. I am a generous person. I am a content person. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. God has reborn us and repurposed us to be vessels of God's goodness on earth and to, to help fulfill his mission of restoring the earth and bringing him glory. God has called us to be good stewards, good and faithful servants. I'm going to spend the, the last moment of time just going through how we can be stewards rather than slaves. You know what? The Apostle Paul addresses many times of, of the, the need to, to pay for people in ministry or to, to provide for people in ministry. Um, and believe me, this wasn't the purpose of the sermon, but it's just, it's just scripturally true that those, those who work are, are, are worth their wages and, and that, that the church body should come through and, and give um, to ministry. Um, and for the people that are working in the ministry. But I don't want to touch on this topic for too long, but any, ever, anyone heard of tithe before? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyone heard of tithe before? And, and it's an interesting concept, and I've probably preached it before, to be honest with you, and I don't know, and I've heard other people say it as well, and it's not necessarily wrong, um, but a lot of people say that um, we're so blessed because 10% of our money we give to God, and God gives us the rest of the 90%. And I, my, when, when studying this, I feel like the Holy Spirit was changing something in my heart around that, that idea. Because I, I've, I've led to believe if we're new in Christ and God has given us everything, I just believe 100% of it is God's. Just a mindset change. I don't know. I don't know. Like, like if, God's, if we give 10% to God and then spend the 90% on, you know, booze or whatever, like, are we truly being faithful, a good shoot of what God's given us just because we've given 10%? There's a bit of a funny situation. I read, I read an excerpt from a book, and it's a bit of a joke. So, And, and believe me, if you, you want to dialogue after this sermon to speak about it and get clarity, please, I'd love to dialogue because I literally had to take 20 or 30 or 40 verses about money out of this sermon because there's just so much about money. Um, but I read this excerpt out of a book. This pastor was speaking to someone um, that was thinking of attending their church. And this guy seemed a little bit skeptical. He, he asked the pastor and he said, hey, is your church a law church? Or a grace church. And, and it was pretty obvious that the, the guy was setting the pastor up, right? And he says, of course, we're a grace church. Of course we are a grace church. And the guy said, I thought so. He says, I was concerned that you were one of those church, law churches that made people tithe or that people had to tithe. And the pastor says, oh, no, we're a grace church. The law says do not murder. Grace says you don't have to have hatred in your heart. You can love your enemy. The law says do not commit adultery, but grace says you don't even have to have lust in your heart for another woman. The law says give 10%, but grace always takes us beyond the law. You can give 20, 30, or 40%. We'll never stop you from living by grace. 
When you've been saved by grace like these women were, you are compelled to do whatever you want to see others saved by grace. You will do whatever, you'll be compelled from your heart. We see a classic example in Zacchaeus, a tax collector, wealthy man. People hated him for his wealth because it was from deception. He got saved by Jesus. He got transformed by Jesus. The first thing he says was, he stood up and said to Jesus, look, Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Isn't that powerful? It was out of the compelling and cheerfulness of his heart that he gave. And this sermon is not indicating proportions, it's not. But what it's indicating is that we must give out of a cheerful heart. Whatever God puts in our heart to give, we must give it. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We're not imposed to tithe uh, out of obligation. We're not imposed to do anything, but we give because God has changed our heart and we give because we want to see God's kingdom advance and we want to see other people experience that same freedom. That's all it is. We should give out of a cheerfulness and a generosity and sometimes it's hard to do that when you're a slave to finance, to debt. It's much easier when you're free in Christ. Another biblical principle um, that I, I live by and that I, um, I've seen throughout the scriptures is living with margin. Everyone say living with margin. It's having the ability to, to spontaneously give generously. I see this principle, and it's obviously not our law because of the new covenant, but I see this principle in the book of Leviticus where God commands his people uh, through his law and, and he suggests to them in, in Leviticus that they would not glean the corners of their harvest. And what does that mean? Glean means to sort of pick from the produce and the harvest and collect them. And so God institutionalized into his law that, that Israel, his God, his people, they obviously tithed and all those other things that was instituted 10%, but they would leave the corners of the fields empty, or not empty, sorry, they would leave it full of, of grain. And God commands uh, them to leave that, the corner of their field each time they harvest so that the poor, so that the widows, so that the fatherless, so that the sojourners, so the foreigners, the refugees, the people that didn't have rights in the land, so they could come and pick from the corners of the thing. Isn't that powerful? So living life by margin means that we adopt the heart of God in our lives. To be a steward of what God's given us is to take on the heart of God, is to have a heart of mercy. Because when Jesus comes, his heart is always for the poor. It's for the rich and the poor, but you can see his heart yearns for the poor. It yearns for the people that are vulnerable. It yearns for the people that are not well off. It yearns for the people that have circumstances and might not be the same as ours. And we must live life with margin. And a practical example of this is the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan. Jesus, there was a guy that was hurt on the road, for those who don't know the story. And a priest walks past and then crosses the other side of the road and doesn't give aid. A Levite, a priest assistant, does the same thing. And it was the good Samaritan who people, uh, the Samaritans were people uh, that people hated, offered generosity. And people, scholars debate what, why the priest and the Levite cro uh, crossed the road, whether it be because they were unclean, the guy was unclean. or, But potentially, we miss out on those situations to be the good Samaritan because our schedules are too full. Like someone needs their help and we don't just have that time in our schedule to devote to someone else. And, and it's sometimes the same with our finances if we don't leave margin. Do we leave margin in our life to be able to be generous to someone if they need it. If the poor were to approach us or someone was in need, would we have the margin 
Would the corners of our harvest be ready to give spontaneously? In the book of James, it says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about the physical needs, what good is it? God's heart is merciful for the poor and we believers must be filled with that same compassion and love that imitates of Jesus. And I can personally say that this probably isn't my strongest point. It's something that I'm wrestling with God about like, God, how can I not only wait for opportunity, but find opportunity to bless people? How can I create those opportunities to do so? How can I cut the corner of my harvest and say, you know what? That's enough spending for me. That's enough, of, that's enough of excess and I wanna be able to live with margin, not only to save for the future for, for my own family, but be able to save just in case God opens, opens opportunity or the Holy Spirit leads me to be generous to someone else and be merciful. God has stewarded us his ministry, not just to meet the spiritual needs of people, but also the physical. And in generosity, you meet both. And maybe you're standing here today saying, Joel, and I don't know everyone's circumstances, but maybe you're saying to me today, Joel, you know what? I really don't have that much. Maybe like I don't really have that much. So it's hard to be, hard to be generous. But this is probably one of the most crucial times to reflect on how you use your money. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying go and give everything you have unless the Holy Spirit compels you to do something like that. But the Luke 16, 10 says this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And we see in the, the parable of the servants that the one with little uh, hid his money and, and hid his talent of his, of his masters that he was stewarded because of fear that he would lose it. But in verse 11, listen to this. It says, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Faith, God tests our faithfulness in the way we handle our worldly wealth. It's a challenge. It is a challenge. How can we be disciplined in saving and spending? Because God has entrusted this resource to us. Proverbs 13, 11 says, Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little, little makes it grow. There's, a, there's principles. If you read the book of Proverbs, I can't get to all of them, but there's financial principles that if we save little by little, if we open our hearts, if we refresh others, you will be refreshed. There's, there's biblical principles throughout that God gives seed to the sower, that we live life with an open heart. Stewards, being great stewards of God, being financially free, not being a slave to money means that we are wise with our money, living disciplined, so that we can be rich to God, so we can bless others. And this is this, we are stewards here, and I'll finish on this so we'll get the musicians up. Um, we are stewards here on earth, and that's great, and God blesses us, and I've honestly uh, received blessing after blessing. God has brought provision in, in, in cleaner in my life, and I've seen in, in many in my family's life, in, in many people's lives in the area of finances. When you trust God with everything you have, but there's one thing we must keep in the back of our minds when we look at all of these things is that we are, we are stewards here on earth, but we are citizens of heaven. So that the true riches, regardless if you, uh, if you believe that if you give in this earth that you will receive back in the earth, regardless if you forget that principle, life here on earth is temporary. And that the riches we receive will be in heaven. There's nothing that can compare to that. 
I love Colossians 3, 2. It says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Matthew 6, 19. Jesus challenges us, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermins do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your heart will be also. There your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your, where your treasure is. And, and, and my challenge, I was thinking about this on the way here to church. And I think about this almost daily, given I work in finances and, I, and, and these things just cross my mind. I think almost daily, God, whatever you, whatever you do with my life, I do not want to be caught up on earthly things. I do not want to live life pursuing something like wealth or pursuing a, a, a promotion or pursuing an executive. I don't, I don't want to go through life pursuing these things and miss the purpose I was actually called to be here on earth for. That's, that's, that's what I challenge for myself. That's not just something that's going to be reflected in, in tithes and offering or giving. That's not just something that's going to be reflected uh, in the what we do, but it's who we are. Our heart is who God is interested in your heart when the when the widow came to the offering man there's so many examples in the bible of giving but when the widow came to the offering there was many rich people that were giving gifts into this offering that Jesus was witnessing they're putting they're giving out of their abundance and wealth which was great but Jesus honored the the, the widow lady because she gave two mites two small coins because it was out of her heart. It was everything she had, but it was also her heart posture that God saw. That she came to the realisation that, you know what, I'm not here on earth forever. That the way I position my heart before God, if I'm here to serve God, I can't serve money. I realise that there's an eternal purpose. There's a greater calling that God has called me towards. And I don't wanna waste my life being a slave to finances. What a, what a wasteful way to live life. I don't want to live my life worried about how I'm going to make, meet my next credit card repayment. That's not how I want to live life. I don't know about you, but I know that's, I'm, I'm, I'm sure when God says the borrower is slave, uh, the, sorry, the, yeah, the borrower is slave to lender, he, there's, there's some truth in that. There's some godly wisdom. There's some godly wisdom to say we should leave margin for the poor and the elderly. As much as we speak about our faith in Christ, there's some things that we have to do and I'm praying in my life that God stirs me not only uh, to meet my own needs, my family and, and have that and trust God with our finances, but I can meet the needs of others. That I can be here to fulfill my purpose of, of seeing the kingdom of God grow and for people to be saved and lives to be transformed because of what I can do in my finances and give. And I just pray today, I know it's a subject that, that hits home for many people, but I wanna ask you today, are you a slave to your finances? Is it something that controls you or is it something that you control? Because what I know, God doesn't want His people to live under bondage. And, and God throughout, you know, all of, all of time, he's, he's here to set people free. Look throughout the Scriptures, the year of Jubilee. There's just things that God, God brought His people out of Exodus to slavery. God is into redemption. And I don't know where you are financially or spiritually or both, 
But I just want to stand as a church today and believe, you know what, God, I'm going to entrust you with my finances. I'm just going to I'm just going to give my whole heart and life to you. I want to be set free, God, from these worldly desires, this lust for things that I don't, I can't afford, this lust for things that other people have. God, I want to be set free because God wants a church that is not distracted by the things that we need because God promises that we will provide. God promises that it'll be there. He says, I look after the sparrows. I look after the flowers of the field, the grass. The grass, the grass is clothed. <laughs> He says, don't be anxious about these things. That's what unbelievers do. Distracted by the things of this world. But as, as believers in this house, as the church of God, we would set our eyes above heavenly things. And we would realise that God is commissioning us to be generous. God is commissioning us to be great stewards, to be disciplined because He has a greater purpose for what He's entrusted us with. He wants to see His church and ministry blessed. He wants to see people fed, people clothed. This is God's heart for creation. He wants to restore creation and He's chosen you to be a vessel. He's entrusted you with what you have to be a vessel for that. Why don't we stand to our feet? Let's pray. God, I thank You that in Your Word, You specifically say not to love money because You will never leave us or forsake us in the book of Timothy. And Lord, God, I pray today, I don't know where people are at. I don't know where people's hearts are at, Lord God, whether someone's waiting for their next paycheck to get through. Maybe they're waiting for the next paycheck to just get on their knees. Lord God, I just pray that you, you bring provision in people's life. Lord God, I pray that your people are to be a blessing to all nations. Lord God, I pray for blessing over people's life. But more importantly, God, I pray for our hearts to be positioned to give. God, I, I pray for our hearts to, and our eyes to be, to be adopt, adopting God's heart for finances. Lord God, that I just pray that as we go throughout our weeks, we go throughout our lives, we go throughout 2021, we wouldn't be self-focused or me-focused, but would be God-focused. That we would say, God, I will entrust you with everything I have. Holy Spirit, lead me in what you want me to do. And God, I thank you for your provision. So God, I pray, Lord Father, over these people, Lord God, if there's the spirit of mammon in anyone's house, Lord God, I pray for a deliverance, Lord God. I pray for any earthly ties to be broken in the name of Jesus. Lord Father, command that the spirit of selfishness, Lord God, to be broken in the church. I pray the spirit of fear to be broken in the church, Lord God. That no matter what the economy does, Lord God, I pray, Lord, no matter what the circumstances say, we, got, we pray and we believe in a God that provides. And Lord God, I just thank you, Lord Father, you're freeing your people from slavery. You're freeing your people from the debt of this world. You're freeing your people from being in any sort of bondage because you've called us to a life, Lord God, of freedom. You've called us to be free in Christ, to be free indeed. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're blessing your people, that your promises stand true. And Lord Father, you're positioning us to be the best stewards we can be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, 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 amen. Amen. What I think is really important this morning is we're all going to close our eyes. What's really important is that when we when we hear a word, that there's a that there's a response to the word. So I, I just want to I just want to open up today. If there's anyone here, and I don't, you know, it's not about your financial circumstance, but it's about your heart. If there's anyone here that needs a shift in their in their in their mindset around finance, they need a breakthrough. They need a they need a breakthrough. They need to be broken from slavery of debt. We're gonna stand and believe today that that would be that would happen. So on the count of three, if that's you, one, two, three. Is anyone here that needs to be broken from that? 
I see those hands. Is there anyone else that, that needs that in their life? I see those hands. Anyone else? Anyone else? Beautiful. All right, let's, let's pray together. God, I thank you today. Lord Father, we pray, Lord God, that your promises stand true. Lord God, we thank you, Lord Father, for those that stepped out in faith today to say, yep, that's, that's me, that's me. I need that breakthrough. God, I thank you that you are educating your people. You're bringing people forth in faith to believe that if you've done it before, you can do it again. So Lord God, I just thank you for your provision and your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, church.